0: What do you get when you cross Dixit with Clue? My name's Jonathan and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, the game Spotlight shines on Mysterium, a game of communication where the player who knows the answers isn't allowed to speak. Welcome back to the Snake Cast. Back to join me this week is Steve Tassie. Hello. And David Kingsmill.
1: Hello there.
0: Thanks for coming back. Thank you. So, uh, Clue and Dixit are two of the more popular games, the Snakes and Lattes. Uh, David, give us a quick explanation of Clue in 30 seconds.
1: Uh, So it's a roll-and-move game, you're rolling a die and moving around a board, and you're using that to get into different rooms of a house in which a murder has been committed. Uh, And you have cards in your hand that represent people, places, and murder weapons, and you are trying to identify which one person, which one weapon, and which one place uh, are the relevant things for that crime, and you do that by a process of elimination uh, and guessing what is, or trying to guess what is not in play, and eventually, hopefully, uh, guessing accurately the three cards all at once.
0: Right. Who did it? Where'd they do it? How'd they do it? Correct. So, Steve, tell us about Dixit in 30 seconds. Dixit is
2: a, a lovely sort of word and image association game that uh, uses strange, surreal, dreamlike image cards. Uh, and players are uh, tasked with the idea of pairing up an image card from their hand with something said by the active player for the round, and then players guess which is the actual card played by the active player versus which are the cards played by other people in an effort to match that statement.
0: So it's about subjectively putting together uh, ideas with these images. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take these two games. We're going to stick them in a blender. We're going to press the on button and make them fully cooperative so everybody's on the same team, and (laughs) out is going to pop Mysterium. The game in today in, the, in today's game spotlight. So one player is a ghost who was murdered at this creepy old house long ago. Ooh. And the other <laughs> players are spirit mediums drawn to the house to try to find out what happened.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the, the what's interesting with this one is that it's taken some seriously good elements from the two aforementioned games and has actually removed some of the stuff that by modern standards is considered a little bit clunky. So there's no roll and move anymore. You're not moving around
0: a board. But you're still trying to figure out who did it, where they do it, how they do it?
1: Absolutely. And, and with Dixit, you're actually trying to give exact information, whereas the puzzle that Dixit prov- uh, provides is that you're actually trying to get some people at the table to guess your card and hope that not everybody does it because you get no point. Whereas in this one, you want to give guide people to the right person, it, but you're limited by the cards that your hand permits.
0: And much like in Dixit, the art on these cards, which the, the ghost is going to communicate with, because the ghost isn't allowed to talk. you know, They're not allowed to do the charades thing or anything. All they can do is pass these cards with weird visions and dreams and signs and symbols. And... Exactly.
2: Knock on the table in traditional occultist form.
0: <laughs> and and that, that's what will happen when one of the uh, uh, the investigators guesses, all right, so is it this person? And the ghost will respond by knocking on the table, yes or no. That, that is the person I'm trying to tell you about. So the, the game itself requires just as much creativity and expressive power as Dixit, while at the same time requiring the same sort of investigative skills and process of elimination that Clue does, while at the same time being a game where everybody is on the same team. This is a potent brew that they've got together here. Have you guys played Mysterium before?
2: Yes. Yeah. I have played the uh, Polish game with the Ukrainian variant, and I have played the English version game with their version of the rules, And um, I find the game to be pretty darn confusing, especially (laughs) the English version. Mechanically, they made changes from the older, other language edition that I don't think make any darn sense whatsoever.
1: Which one did you play first?
2: Uh, I played the um, Polish-slash-Ukrainian variant, um, and it mostly seemed like a working game the new english edition falls apart at the end the, the the end game is just ridiculously complicated and byzantine
1: so david you've played it as well i have but i've only played the asmodee edition the, right, the, english the edition. Uh, north american edition yeah i have not had a chance we spoke about the polish edition uh but actually the reason i said to uh you steve is which one you played first was i i played Asmodee before I even knew there was another version Mm. uh I assumed it had been translated from a a, a European game just because it has a, a feel about it that sort of gave me that idea but I didn't know it was an alternative and I did manage to make sense of the rules possibly because I wasn't bastardizing a different version because that's kind of what happened with the rules change across to the English version
0: um I think that, uh, that, that difference in experience is actually going to be really helpful when we go over the different experiences that these two editions of the game create. We're going to go into some details about that in a bit, but uh, just to clarify, 2013, the original Polish edition of the game was published by designers Alexander Nowiski and Oleg Sidorenko. In 2015, it was redesigned and re-released in English as Mysterium. I, I can't even actually pronounce the original Polish name of the yeah. game. Does either of you know how to pronounce that?
2: Um, I'm going to guess that it is pronounced absolutely nothing like what it appears uh, on the box. Well, yeah, it's, box. It's, it's a
0: different alphabet, right? So yeah. it's, English speakers are not going to have an easy time for no, out. It looks
2: like it's Tajamnixi Domostwau, but I'm going to say that is absolutely 100% <laughs> incorrect.
1: I'm going to hazard a guess. It's Tajamnish Domostvo. I think okay. something like
0: that. Either or both and of I'm those... going to
2: believe him because of his British accent that makes him sound smart.
1: <laughs> Which means nothing when it comes to Polish, but yes. there we go. You <laughs> sound
0: believable, that's the thing. Either, well, a, okay. either or both of those could be a dreadful butchery of that name. Yeah, apologies, apologies if that was. But, uh, yeah. oh, uh, mine definitely was. <laughs>
2: no apologies offered because I knew what I was getting into.
0: <laughs> Before we get too much farther into the differences between the two editions, let's get into some details about the games themselves. All right, so let's let's begin with the first edition of the game, the two thousand and thirteen Polish edition. So the game's on the table. What do you see?
2: Well, it's been a while since I have played it. There are uh, strange cards. There are little character boards. Uh, each person has a has some tokens that they will be using to uh, indicate which level of the puzzle they are on, whether they've figured out the who, the where, the the weapon. And I don't recall. Does the original Polish have the screen?
0: Uh, sadly, no. Right. That's, that's that's the thing that I like best about in, in the Asma Day edition, the ghost player has this awesome uh, screen that they use to hide their information behind, whereas in the Polish edition, they just have to keep the cards face down on the table, which means they can't see at a glance uh, all the stuff that they need to keep track of. But if you're playing the, uh, the original Polish edition, then yeah, there's going to be a row of cards with people, there's going to be a row of cards with places, and there's going to be a row of cards with uh, objects on them, and these are going to have little tokens that the players are putting on them as they try to guess which thing is which. There's also a deck of these crazy dream cards. You want to describe a couple of those for us?
2: Well, I see one here that has a uh, a pink seascape on it with floating airships uh, in the sky and what appears to be a gigantic whale who is either beached or is meant to be under the water. It's a little vague uh, as to which is the actual
0: case. Why don't you give us an example of one over here, David? Well, I'm
1: looking at one that looks as if it's come out of the uh, Stephen Sondheim musical Into the Woods, in the sense that I've got trees and a pile of uh, rocks at the bottom. There's a wolf in the background, just a silhouette of a wolf, might be. And view. a very challenging
2: um, melody to sing. Uh, yeah, quite. <laughs> um,
1: Hello, little girl. No, I won't go there. Um,
0: (laughs) Family show, family show. uh,
1: It's also got a a hunting horn hanging from one of the tree branches, a heart carved into a tree, and a stone at the base of the... uh, Sorry, a sword at the base of the rocks. Uh, But these are all very small. Oh, in fact, I've just seen an arrow embedded in a tree as well. And all four of those are incredibly small details that uh, you would probably see as the ghost and pick up on. But what this game's all about is, well, what's in the ghost's head, and why did he give me this card? And I feel like those are things the ghost might spot, but if you're looking over them in a panic against a time limit, they would be easy to miss.
0: So tell us a little bit about the general style of the art in these cards. How would you describe the look of the art in this game?
2: Well, the dream cards are surreal. Um, Sorry. they, They have colors, but... It varies from card to card. Some of them have very vibrant colors, whereas other it's it's very very muted. But the imagery is all odd. <laughs> it, 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 it's not straightforward. This is you know uh, representative art. It's uh, it's it's not Dali esque in its level of uh, surrealism, but it's definitely full of um visual poetics
1: yeah and i would say that anyone who's played dixit will know what to expect except the card arc here is a lot darker Mm -hmm. um there's a lot more kind of spooky uh sometimes even slightly grim there was a card i just saw while i was flicking through the deck that has a golden apple sitting on a pillar that appears to have been pierced with a load of pins and almost looks as if it's bleeding sort of some black liquid, um, which you wouldn't find in Dixit, for sure. <laughs> um, but anybody who has played Dixit will at least be familiar with the style. The artist is the same, is it
0: not? marie Kelda did some of the art for the new edition of Dixit, right. I believe.
1: Daydreams, was but,
0: it? Uh, actually, actually, no. She, she did the original Dixit, but she also did contributed some art to the new edition of Mysterium. Ah, I right. I, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up, but... Uh any event, uh, so in addition to these dreams, you also have the art for these... Ca- and the reason I'm spending so much time on the art is because it is so very important oh, to the atmosphere in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters are these very grim-looking sort of... Uh, you can tell that this these pictures were painted in Eastern Europe, let's put it in this way. Nobody looks look happy. <laughs> uh,
2: they, they all look dour or... Yeah, they, they look like they should be in a line waiting to get the one potato
0: they get a week. Um this house where the murder took place was not a happy place. It really wasn't. The 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 locations through it look kind of they're they're opulent and fancy, but also kind of dilapidated and corrupt. Yeah. Um definitely
2: in a state of entropic decay.
0: So as players are playing this game, what is gonna now okay we set the scene. We've got these cards out here. Uh, as a, uh, a ghost player, what are you going to do?
2: What you're going to do, not talking necessarily specifically mechanically, is you are going to use the cards, the dream cards that you have, in an effort to convey to the players the answers to their particular pieces of the puzzle.
0: Right. Each of them um, has a, like a thing that you're trying to tell them. Yeah. You're, you're
2: trying to convey a a place, a person, and a weapon to each of the other players. One at a time, it should be. Uh, yes, you start start with places, is it? Or it doesn't
0: matter which one really. Right. Uh,
2: in in the newer version they they tell you to go in a certain order, but yeah, in the in the original you can guide people towards places or things or uh people. And by doing so, you what you do is you give them dream cards that are meant to connect to one of the nine cards that's been or however, however many However many cards, three cards for each player. So, each player has a thing, a person, and a a place. And so I, as the ghost, I would hand out dreams, visions, to the players in an effort to lead each of them to their own
0: specific cards. And they're going to sort of talk it over. It's like, okay, I've got a picture of two round things on these cards, so I'm probably supposed to pick this cricket ball here. And that's one of the things
1: that I think has been added into this that that surpasses, you know, the Dixit and Clue uh, analogy that we're using, uh, which is that you've got this open communication because while the ghost can't speak, everybody else can. And because everybody is working cooperatively, they're trying to help each other out. But at the same time, you might have two people who both believe they have the same character and therefore might both decide to vote for that one, believing themselves to be correct.
2: The ghost can observe and... And Tinker with their next set of cards based on the persistent beliefs of the player. So, if there's one player who is absolutely convinced that they're meant to be looking at the round thing, the ghost player can block that by giving them a card that has absolutely nothing round on it at all. And assuming they get, assuming one of the they goals. have one of those, uh, in an effort to to break them of that particular delusion. And the
1: one I get the most when I'm watching people play or teaching people play, uh, and I will often, if I have the time, I will sit through the first round with them, is people who suddenly decide to focus on color. And the ghost is. seen, and this is why I was saying mm-hmm. earlier, the ghost might be focusing on the sword at the bottom of the stones. Uh, but if color is what they choose to go with, he's got to, or she has got to work a completely different alternative on how mm-hmm. they're giving cards. Uh, and the other big thing for me is when I sort of drop the bomb uh, to the group as a whole rather than the ghost of saying the ghost might just have to ditch cards because they have nothing useful in their hand for anybody at the table which Mm -hmm. happens very rarely but it does happen and that sort of confusion that it throws into the game is wonderful
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this week we'll be continuing our game spotlight on Mysterium in next week's episode Steve Tassie and uh, David Kingsville will be there then as well see you next time guys see you then thanks for having us this next cast is produced by P.T. Douglas music is provided by Ben Sound the opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it so until next time thanks for listening